Thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. WWJD before, right? Do you know what it stands for, anyone? What would Jesus, Jesus do? do? What would Jesus do? Why, why, why are you freaking out? Jack and I were just talking about this right before we came here, so... Wow! How about that? Well, you know, they, everyone back in the day, uh, you know, used to wear like a little bracelet that just said WWJD, right? That like old-fashioned, like from the 90s. Um, that's, that's when the WWJD movement started in the 1990s. Um, as a phrase to help people, mainly teenagers, to remember, you know, what would Jesus do in any given situation and to help spread the gospel of Jesus. Um, I don't recall this next one. Um, wasn't as popular, but apparently there was a response bracelet. Yeah, HWLF. Yeah, the HWLF. He would love first. Um, there's also apparently one back in the day, F-R-O-G, frog. Yes. Fully rely on God. Oh, you guys have heard of those? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool. I had one of those when I was a kid, but then HWLF, I only saw like a few years ago. Okay. Sort of seeing it. I got one of those bracelets. Yeah. Probably. I had looked at it, but I had no idea what that I'm like, I saw WWJD, HL, HWLF. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Um, but yeah, he would love first, fully rely on God, um, all in response to those. Um, so I actually. And then one point. <laughs> oh my god. I got a pass. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, these aren't, these aren't the retro ones. I no. thought they were. Um, so if anybody really wants a retro one, I got some retro ones. But these ones are a little more modern ones. Different colors. If anyone's interested, I'll in here for you guys later. I would love one. Um, but. Instead of talking about what would Jesus do, WWJD, I want to talk about WDJD. What did Jesus do? That's that's a new acronym I propose to you guys. Um, that's that's going to be kind of the, the topic in which we go for, for a little while. Um, what did Jesus do? Because I don't think we can truly answer what would Jesus do in any given situation unless we know what he already did. That's where I felt Jesus was leading me to um, for this. Um, I had heard God speak to me the other week when uh, I was stopped at a at a red light nearby in Columbia, and there was a um, there was a man and his daughter next to him. They were holding a sign, you know, asking for money, asking for help, you know, in this situation and that, and you know, need help, any help, you know, is good. Um, at first, you know, I just kind of pulled up, it just turned red, so I'm, you know, the only one there so far, and, you know, he's basically to my left, and uh, I just kept staring forward at the light, um, and then within just a few seconds, like, I felt like the Holy Spirit kind of prompted me, um, you know, so I rolled down my window, um, asked him and his daughter his name, and, um, asked if I could pray with them, and he accepted, he said, yeah, you can pray for me, and so I prayed with him, um, 
And then, then I felt led to, I wasn't planning to, but then I ended up giving him a few dollars as well, an extra blessing on top of the prayer. Um, but his response, um, his response and his attitude to the prayer is what really, like, stirred my heart there. Um, he very, very genuinely thanked me for the prayer and expressed how much the prayer meant to him. Not of how much the, the few dollars I gave him will, will help him, or hey, thanks so much for the, you know, the money, or like, hey, thank you so much for that prayer. And it's like, I wonder if anyone has prayed for this guy ever before or lately. Uh, but in that moment, I heard God speak to me saying, he just saw Jesus in you. And it got me thinking, what if we're the only Jesus that someone will ever know? So that's kind of how this all came about. Because in that moment of, he just saw Jesus in you, got me thinking, what would Jesus have done in this situation? And so that's kind of where this series came about. So, what did Jesus do? Any any open responses before we jump into anything? Anything. It can be as broad or as Miracles. Miracles. What else did Jesus do? Loved people. That's a nice short way to write that, in case you're here. Huh? Call people away. They call people away from there. So, I was just trying to make it an easier way, one for you to write. <laughs> I mean, chain breaker. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah that works too. There you go. Yeah. Okay. That's good. He counseled people. 
I'm just going off Hosea 9, 6 now. Awesome. You brought peace. Brought peace. And division. Yeah, yeah. That's what I just said. Yeah. Experience suffering. I just heard flip. What was that? Flip tables? Yeah. <laughs> Experience yeah. suffering, Gary said. He suffered. Suffered, yeah, he did yeah. suffer. He hung out with um, disreputable people. Very. Sinners. Big sinners. Man's law. Man's law. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man's yeah. law. We're, Sorry. Good. We're good. Sorry. We're Gucci. No, I got you. I got you. say the law or the law? Uppercase or lowercase? Yeah. Lowercase. 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 Thanks, guys, for the inspiration for the next few weeks. You mean the next year? I keep going. 2025. I see what you did there. We just wrote the next plans for it. Technically, God laid the plans. I mean, about what Jesus did, Jesus loved. Um, specifically today we're going to be going into Jesus loves his enemies. Taking it one step further, not just loving, because that's that's a very broad topic. I mean that's in, that's Jesus' whole gospel is love. So I mean we could we could spend a whole month just on how Jesus loved people, but today we'll be talking just specifically about loving his enemies. Uh, let's start off at Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. He never stops. He never stops. He never stops working. He never stops. Alright, anybody want to take uh, Luke 6, uh, 27 through 36? He walks on water. <laughs> he does. He said 26. 27 through 36? Yeah, 27 through 36, that little section there. I can do it. So he immediately sent an ex executioner to the prison to cut off John's head and bring it to him. Um, what? <laughs> Luke 6. Luke 6. Um, okay. I, I had something wrong and I was like, oh, no one said nothing at first. And I'm like, what was that? Matthew 6? What version you That was Mark 6. Okay. Okay. I'm like, it's just the version there. <laughs> oh, here we go. Love for enemies. That better makes more sense. No, no, no. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to give them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. 
like you're reading through Thursday, so you're going to pass it. Oh, I'm sorry. Clearly I wasn't listening. (laughs) If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get the credit? Why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners who lend to other sinners for torture. Love your enemies, do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your great reward from heaven will be very great. Sorry. <laughs> then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Awesome. Thank you. That was a struggle. <laughs> Where do you guys see that was going on here? There's, there's a good amount in what he's what he's saying about how to love your enemies. But what do we what do we hear him saying? What's the heart behind it? Um, how how are some of these things even possible? I like the repeating of what mine says. Even those who don't know God will do that. They're saying he's saying like, cool, you can show love, you can be compassionate, but anyone can do that. It's more of like. You can lend money to people. Anyone can do that. So he's kind of like saying, anyone can do these things, but if you're a believer of God, you're going to kind of take the next step off. Yeah. Like thing. I think that's really... He always seems to repeat himself a lot. I feel like that means it's important. (laughs) For sure. Good. Anyone else? And doing... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And and saying do it, but don't expect anything. Like, do it out of the own Doing it without expectation, without expecting anything back, is takes on a whole another, whole another meaning or a reason for it. Um, are you going to go into any of the verses that say something similar in the New Testament? I don't want to skip ahead. Um, if some other thing, yeah. Are you going to go into Matthew five at all? I don't want to skip ahead. No, um, not Matthew five. Okay, um, so in Matthew five. Like, like 38 through 
you know, 48 is where he goes into this in the other account, right? So he talks about, um, in the context, he's saying, like, you've heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? Because that's what it says in Deuteronomy, like, hey, this is what you do to, like, perform justice throughout your, your country that you've just established, um, that I've just called you to. And he says, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile with, go with him two miles. Give to one to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and, the un and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Um, so there's, I just love the different versions, because he probably said this multiple times, right, throughout Jesus, Jesus going around because that's not necessarily the most popular thing. So somebody probably came up to him at some point and said, hey, I, I think I heard through the grapevine you said something about loving your enemy. <laughs> like, do you mind running that by me again real quick? Um, but, like, it was very unpopular back then. It's still not popular today. Um, in the context of some of the things here, like, when it says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Like, that's where the phrase, like, go the extra mile kind of comes from, right? Um, but that comes from, originally, the Romans had a law that they could force any random citizen to walk with them and carry their stuff for up to one mile. Um, and so Jesus is saying something extraordinarily unpopular. While they're being oppressed by the Roman government, he's saying, hey, um, yeah, so I know you're being oppressed by these people. If they say, hey, carry my stuff for a mile, say, hey, you want me to go an extra one? carry your stuff carry like 40 to 70 pounds of, of gear for you and like let's just let's just go again come on i got this and that is so incredibly unpopular what would be the difference for the roman who well what, what do you think how do you think the roman would react or feel if a person who they're oppressing who they say carry my stuff for a mile and they say actually i'll take three for two what do you think that would do to them a possible response to that. Yeah. Well, in Romans, he talks about it heaping coals upon their head, right? Like, is like, don't, don't, yeah, don't take your own vengeance. Like, do, um, like, be kind instead, if that makes any sense. Um, and in doing so, you'll heap burning coals upon, like, your enemy's head. Um, like, I can't imagine... I don't know, I feel like you see it all the time, right? So if you go from somebody who's really, really upset and frustrated, and then you, if you respond down here, and you just kind of say, hey, let me take care of that for you. Like from a customer service perspective, I saw this constantly. If somebody would come in, they'd be really, really mad. They'd be like, this is a problem, and like you have a problem, and this is an issue, and then I'd kind of come in and be like, okay, let's take care of that for you. And then later, they'd be like, a couple minutes later, they'd be like, hey, I'm really sorry that I was like so angry right away and I was like kind of 
like I've, I've had a tough day and like kind of they'd feel bad because they were so angry up front um but the natural reaction is hey let's match this like hey like don't get to treat me this way this is like not okay um and jesus is kind of calling us to that hey like be down here don't check your pride at the door humble yourself and let the rest take care of itself is what it feels like Two different ways I could see that going. The Roman asking, you know, one of the Jews to carry their stuff in for a mile. And the Jew might be like, oh man, why do I have to do this? And they could just be, you know, oppressed because they're being oppressed. And they could just be depressed. And they could be, you know, like, oh, woe is me. This sucks for me. And, and the Roman officer might enjoy that even more. Be like, ha, they're, they have to carry my stuff because I'm making them. But then for them to change, be like, hey, let me, let me go another mile with you. Let me, let me. Let me serve you out of my own free will now, instead of just because I have to, but now I'm going to do it because I'm just going to help you. Out of no reason, there's no reason for me to help you. That kind of changes the whole dynamic, and the, the Roman might look at that as, wait, why are they choosing to do this? They don't have to do this. They already went their full distance. They're going more out of their own free will. I kind of feel bad for them now. Like, that's kind of, wow, why are they doing this? Hmm, okay. What is it about these Jews? Why why are they doing these things that they're doing? And could kind of kind of start changing their minds, their perspective, kind of changing the whole dynamic. I think what Yana said is absolutely key to what we're talking about though. Jesus isn't calling us to something that we in our flesh and ourselves can do. It has to be with him because our natural response, Jackie's response, is not gonna be to turn the other cheek. It's gonna be to give them what I believe that they deserve in that situation when I meet them and they're upset with me or was like, you come at me with the attitude like like Zach said, like I'm gonna match you. I'm gonna that is my natural tendency is to react in the same way that I'm given to respond in the same way. Mm-hmm. But because of Jesus and his continuous work in us we are able and enabled to act in love the way that he did it's not outside of receiving him that we can actually do this consistently or genuinely even all the time I'm not saying you would never be able to do it I'm not saying that people who don't know Jesus aren't kind people but to act in love at a supernatural level the way we're talking about only comes through relationship with Jesus. So I think what Yana said is foundational to understanding what he's calling us to. It's not just loving and it's not just loving when it's challenging. It's supernatural loving. It's his way of loving. For sure. I have a different perspective that might not resonate with a lot of people but I have been like a chronic people pleaser for a large majority of my life. And I like that this puts it in a sense of like doing good and loving others because you're honoring God and not because you want to like make people happy. Like if I were to read this verse like years ago, my mindset would have been like, oh, well, if you turn their cheek, then they might be happier and they might like you more. But this is like doing it out of the love that we see from God and like showing that through 
um, like showing his love through us and that's just like a whole different perspective of like you might do the same action but in a whole different way that you would have done it before that's a good perspective yeah that's really good that's good to also kind of do a little check when you are doing certain things like mm -hmm. even when you are doing good things ask yourself why am I doing this is it because I feel obligated is it because I want to please this person or is it because I'm doing it because it would please God I like that he notes about like not wanting to create credit for it and not that like I ever was a people pleaser to get credit but it made me feel better about myself and that's like credit to myself almost um, and now it's like a whole, whole different perspective you're going back to the guard thing like you say what would the different responses you could have and in my mind, I want the guard would probably respond like, "Finally, if you want to walk two, walk three." Then, it's like, it you know what I mean? Because yeah. like, like every time I've seen situations I've seen where it's like a person of power and they know they have the power and they're able to oppress and they're they have that authority and they know they can oppress you. It's kind of like when you have like, an, like a pet or like you're just an ant. Well, I don't care. It's just an ant. So to them, the Jewish people were just lesser people than them. So if I, if I so if my pet or a dog or someone left with me, we're like, well, fine, I'll do better than you think I can. And then like, oh really? You think you're cool? Well, let's go. Let's go one more. Let's go, let's keep going. And, and then, but then in that, the heart of the Christian of the Jewish or the Christian should still be like, okay, it's like you're not like don't do a good thing out of spite, like because I know sometimes even me like I'll even try to convince myself the reason why I'm doing something good. Is just a spit in their face and be like, "Look, you've done something bad to me, so I'm gonna do something good to you." You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think that's the heart that Jesus is talking about. Yeah. I think it's more of a heart. Even sinners will love other people they love. I don't think it's like the good deed or the love. It's don't be like a sinner. Like yeah. Try to get far away because he said, "I think he said even sinners like three times," and then all the way at the bottom it goes, "We sin and go against God." every single day of our lives, yet God still loves us and he's kind to even the ungrateful and the wicked. So you too should be kind to the ungrateful and the wicked and also be merciful because God is merciful. Yeah. It's not so much do a good deed or do this and but do it out of because you think you should or you know you should. But I think it's like do it because like be better, be do good because even sinners you're you know, you're different. Like it's like reading the Bible. Devil knows every word in the Bible, but it's not good. He's still the devil. So don't just do something because you think it's going to, you're going to gain some type of, you're not going to gain your way into heaven. So. Yeah. I think the phrase is popular, like kill him with kindness, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, just be kind, is what yeah. Jesus is saying here. He's like, don't worry about killing them like that's yeah. not that's not the like, goal don't worry about trying to get above them the goal be better than them yeah. or oh well i got god right. on my side so no matter what happens i got god and you don't got god because god hates you because okay you're way off the ball there but that's not what yeah. this is about this is about you just being you like don't worry about what they're going to do don't worry about how their work is going be kind because god right. said so. so i'm gonna look at practically how do we go about loving our enemies i mean he he, he told us here he gave us a lot of examples. So I'm going to dive into that a little bit. In the first verse, 
but to you who are willing to listen. I like how it starts with that. To those who are willing to listen. I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. To love your enemies. That's, he's not telling us to have this warm, fuzzy feeling in our hearts for our enemies. Oh, I just love you so much. Thank you for impressing me. Like, that's not what he's telling us to do. Like, to, to have love for them. He's telling us to love them. To do good to those who hate you. That's the practical. What do you do? Love your enemies. How do you do it? Do good to those who hate you. So, if we're waiting for that warm, fuzzy feeling for our enemies, you're never going to love them because they're your enemies. Yeah. To, um, the love we are to have for our enemies is a love that does something for them, quite apart from how we might feel about them. That's why it says, do good to those who hate you, not feel good toward those who hate you. Like, it's, it's an action. Love is an action. Right, as as much as I'd like to find a loophole here, like, well, like, you know, you really only need to do it like this, or you don't have to actually, you don't have to do it. You could just, you could just do the action and not actually care about this person. You could hope that they die right in front of you before you have to do this act. Like, that's not what he he's saying. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Could you imagine right now, people in Israel, as they're getting slaughtered and, I mean, just terrible things happening, could you imagine them praying right now for the people of Palestine, Palestine, Hamas? How powerful would that be? For Israelites right now to be praying for those who are hurting them, slaughtering them, coming into their homes, killing their family. That's what he's telling us to do. That those are their real life enemies right now. To be praying for them. Right? They're enemies to us too. They're enemies to Christians, to Jews, to civilization, to hum to humans. And we're called to love them. We can only practice this kind of sacrificial love. No, I'm jumping ahead of myself. That's on verse 29. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. So that part about someone taking something from you, someone demanding your coat and you give them your shirt also, we know the, the, the reason that we can practice that kind of sacrificial love is, is when we know and believe that God will take care of us. To know and believe that if we're going to give away our tunic, our, our, our shirt, our robe, and our jacket too, going that extra mile, you know, hey, give me your jacket. Okay, sure. Would you like my shirt, too? It's knowing that God has plenty more of it to give to us. That God has an abundance to supply to us. And just like 
uh, you know, God takes care of the sparrows and the lilies, right? How much more precious are we that he's going to continue to take care of us? And we really live this way. So, Gary, you talked about kind of, um, you kind of said, like, getting taken advantage of, like, you know, at what point, you know, yeah, the person might be like, hey, I'm going to walk three miles. How about four? You want to walk two? How about five? So at what point is there a limit? Let me ask you guys that first as a non-rhetorical question. I was, I was going to ask it rhetorically, but at what point is there a limit? Or is there a limit to the amount of love that you can show to your enemies? Or the amount of miles that you would walk when you're only required to walk one? The only thing I can think of is if you put it above God. If that's like your only thing, be like, mm. Well, God said to do this, so I gotta make sure I do. And it's always on your mind. Yes, you might be thinking you're doing it for God, but at a certain point, it's like, are you really doing it for God, or are you just thinking you're doing it for God? And like in our church, we've been talking about idols. It's kind of like when you start doing that as like an idol, and you put it before God. I think that's kind of where maybe not even the limit, but where you should kind of check yourself and see like what you're really doing it for, or continuing. That's good. Yeah, when God isn't the reason that you're doing it anymore, maybe it's for your own pride, like, huh, you only want me to do three? I'll do seven. Like, I can go further than that. Well, that's, that's pride talking. Anyone else? someone asked me for a thousand dollars I shouldn't give it if I'm not okay with the fact or the possibility of not ever receiving it back don't give what you're not willing to lose I know I'm first talking about Yana but I have no idea what it is yeah like I, so I think but basically like I think with money there, there's there's again like I don't know exactly where it is but something like that of like I think with money particularly, I think there is like a limit there. Not because, you know, a person can't just like trust on God for him to continue to provide for you. He could, but again, you have to just be wise and uh, of like how much you're helping that other person. Um, and also where your heart is too, because sometimes we think, oh, you know, I'm gonna help this person with X amount of money, but then, you start to see things that they are doing with that money, and then that starts to affect you, and it's like, well, I'm gonna start like charging them or expecting now something back from them and kind of putting a little interest thing on there, you know? Um, so I think when it comes down to helping others with money, that like <laughs> can be very touchy to people's hearts. Yeah. 
there's there are a lot of things that can happen just with money because of the way that it can affect. Um, but when it comes to yeah, Ben, what you were saying reminds me of a message you gave. Jeez, like almost ten years ago now. Um, talking about expectations, right? And and changing your level of expectations it probably wasn't old. Oh no, it's, we're getting old. Anyhow, um, but um, just about how you had to kind of change your perspective on expectations in general, and that's kind of what he's saying with like lend with the expectation of you're not getting it back. Right? And not putting an expectation on, on getting that money back. Um, in that particular context. Um, and Jan, I think what you're talking about is like stewardship, right? Like being a good steward of the resources that God has trusted you with, right? Um, you can't lend money, well, you shouldn't lend money, in my mind, that God has entrusted to you to for another purpose. Um, and then. Yeah, so those those two things are not in conflict. Um, and then also kind of what you were saying, like it's not giving somebody money is not always going to be helpful to them, right? Like you can enable poor behaviors, right? Um, it's not helpful if I have a sibling who, who's addicted to crack. It's not helpful for me to give them money. That doesn't help them. Um, like offering to take them to rehab might be helpful, um, but like and and offering to pay for their rehab that might be helpful. So I, it's not that I can't use money to help them. It's that just giving it to them is not going to be a helpful thing because they are not stewarding the resources that God is giving them or that I'm giving them. Um, and it's really easy in in my past experience. The reason I bring this up is because it's been really easy for me to say like all right, well, I'm going to let God, like, sort it out, and I'll just give the money, and, like, I can be kind of hands-off. But that's me not being a good steward of the other resources, like time. Because it's a whole lot easier for me to give money to them and not deal with the situation and their drama. <laughs> right? Like, it's so much easier, for me at least. It's it's very easy for me to say, hey, here's 100 bucks, like, go away. Like, <laughs> money well spent. Like, that's, that's not... Um, but that's not what God has called us to do, right? God has called us to not only invest money, but invest time um, and things of that nature. Well, I think no matter what you do, I think it applies to more than just money. I mean, it does apply oh, absolutely. to time. Because, you yeah. know, you can't just say, oh, yeah, you need uh, whatever it was. Yeah, I'm just going to quit my job mm -hmm. and I'm going to give all my time to you. That's not very realistic. Mm -hmm. You know, same thing with food. Mm -hmm. You can't just give someone everything that's in your pantry. I mean, maybe if you have enough money and you can, you can go buy another maybe, but sure. you know, there's a limit to all of those kinds of things. Yeah. I think it ties really well into the verses we just read about like, even sinners do good things to other sinners, and even sinners, so like, even sinners give money to people, mm -hmm. even sinners help out the poor, even sinners give charity. What's that step? And I think that's where that's like, not so much limit. I was looking up different examples of people giving, all the way from like when they were tithing. I think it was like a, it was the, the woman that had like nothing, but still was able to give that so and so ten percent as tithing. She had nothing, but she still gave a little bit. That was her limit. And then there was the woman that like sprayed like, not sprayed, but like dumped over a whole bunch of perfume, 
all over Jesus' feet, which was like, if you would have sold it, that's a whole year of mm-hmm. wages. So that's like a whole year of my wages is, is like, like, you know what I mean? So like, it might that was like, I don't think there's like an actual limit. Yeah. I think it's more so like what a little mixture of what everyone's saying. It's the heart that you're putting into it. Absolutely. And not just doing it to get it off your chest. Yeah. Like not just not. It's the same thing from the other verses. It's, don't just do it to do a good thing. Don't just do it just because. Yeah. But you also can't compromise your stability. And that's and going off of that, like I'm sorry, I would also put it this way: that if giving in a certain way is going to cause you to falter in something else or some other way that God has called you to, if I'm going to go into debt by giving to somebody else, going into debt is not something that's pleasing to God either. So if in my giving I am actively also participating in actions that are not pleasing to God, that tells me that there's a limit there. I should not go into debt and incur debt in order to there's still that trust and again I mean being led by the Holy Spirit hey trust me give this much write a check for this much I've got you there's there is space for that but as a general practice I think compromising your own you know testing wisely and all that stuff in that moment you're not doing a disservice to yourself or the other person by choosing to give a certain way or not give as much you're you're actively exercising the wisdom that God has given you and in communication with the Holy Spirit, okay, what is my response in this situation? And I think 31 sums it up a little bit to the degree of do to others as you would like them to do to you allows you to have expectations as well for what the giving you receiving would look like. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm unwilling to give X amount of money because of whatever reason, then I don't have a leg to stand on to expect receiving X amount of money either. So it really is kind of setting that boundary is okay. It's okay to have boundaries with how and when and where you choose to give all of your resources. But what comes down is basically what everyone has said, like your heart intention behind it, your why, but also that piece of allowing the Holy Spirit to speak in those moments. If it's not money, then don't give money. Don't worry about money. If it's time, if it's prayer that they need, allow that to be your gift. You know, I, I think for me, that's what makes a lot of sense. That's good. I think everyone pretty much hit on the mark. Um, here's here's something that I found of I think out someone well worded this. Um, asking where the limit would be um, so that people don't walk all over us. The limit is love. The limit of love. When fulfilling a person's request isn't loving toward them, then you shouldn't do it. Giving a person everything they ask for isn't necessarily love. Right? We see that in the example of God. God loves us. We know that for a certain Pretty sure we can all be 100% positive that God loves us. But he doesn't give us everything we ask for. And I think we should be grateful that he doesn't because if we did, first off, that wouldn't be love. That would be a genie in a bottle. And that wouldn't be giving us what we need. It would be giving us what we want. 
So to give someone everything they ask for, hey, I really need help with this. I need a little extra money here. I need this. I need a place to stay. I need this from you. I need you to help me here. I need you to, you know, take off a few days, help me here. Like that's getting that could be getting walked all over. Maybe, maybe not, but probably is. Um, but you don't want you don't want to allow you know your own pride or lack of comfort or unwillingness to sacrifice to be our limit because those things are okay to put down your pride, put down comfort level. You know, Jesus told his disciples to sell everything and follow him, and they did it. So, hey, quit your job. Quit your fisherman job. You know, quit your cushy, high-paying tax collector job. Come follow me. Those are crazy, crazy things to do, but Jesus called them to do it. So I wouldn't even put those out of the limit of where's the limit. Um, because Jesus called people to sell everything. He, the rich young tax collector, right, said, or rich young ruler, said, uh, you know, what, what can I do to inherit eternal life? He said, sell all your possessions. And he's like, all of them? Sure, like that's, I have a lot. Um, so those things aren't even necessarily out, but those, those are a bit more extremes, but they are within reason. And I was just going to say in that example, it's not necessarily that Jesus was literally calling him to do such things, but getting to the heart, mm -hmm. knowing that he was going to say, no, this is too hard for me. Yeah. So it's like it is and does always come back to when it says give, give what? With a cheerful heart, not a grudging one. Give what you and your heart have decided to give, right? So at the end of the day, like that is going to be one of the key factors in anything that we give is how am I doing it? Am I doing it grudgingly? I'm not doing it for God. I'm doing it for some other reason. And then, therefore, it's not a pleasing gift to him. It's not for a sure. sacrifice. I'll also say that, like, if you do, like, if you do give to that, right to that line, or even a little bit over, God's still going to take care of you. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just the way that he works. So if you overextend yourself doing what he tells you to do, it's still going to work out because that's just the character and nature of God. There has never been a single time where I'm like, man, this is, it this it, it's like I did too much. And like, it's like God always comes through and he always, he always takes care. Um, so there's like, on the one hand, yes, there are, ways to be wise and a good steward on the other hand like if you do just trust god he will just take care of you um so like there i think there is a there are multiple options there okay yeah so again okay, <clears throat> i just wanted to share which is like i thought it was cool just based on the past 10 minutes of conversation uh i met this guy yesterday at the home garden show <laughs> he sells rum cakes <laughs> and Slowly every other year, been developing a relationship. But yesterday, like, we got in a conversation. I think Jackie was she He said something she liked, and then she said something else, and it got into the whole Jesus conversation. Long story short, he quit his job and started his business. And I don't know, all the proceeds or most of the proceeds go to like a Christian boarding school. school. It's like a part of their ministry. It's part of their ministry. It was what they do now. So it's very cool. Yeah. And he's like a past worship leader and he plays saxophone and he's like yeah you just got like god provider whatever he's like yeah we needed a truck and a trailer and 
just kind of provided it, and it just showed up and appeared, and I was like, that's really cool. So, <laughs> it was, we had like 10 minutes of conversation, but she was in some of it. That concept of you're blessed to be a blessing, not just to hoard your blessing, I think that's the sense, that's like part why what we're talking about here. Specifically, too, in this context, with people that we don't want to do that for, which goes back to the original, like, you can't do this without Jesus. You cannot love this way and interact with people in this fashion without having some other supernatural grace and love received by you yourself to pour out. It just doesn't, it just won't happen. Yeah. His name was James. His son was named Jeremiah. And I don't remember his wife. But it seemed like all like, kind of biblical names. It was They're very really cool. 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 Really cool. Nice. Well, That's awesome. Get to know him more and more. Yeah. I want some rum cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, that's awesome. I was gonna make a little, 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 little comment. Um, I was thinking about like the whole like giving thing, but like gleaning in Deuteronomy and like in the like yeah. book of Ruth and like gleaning and like the reason for that was was like so like foreigners or fatherless or widowed people or pretty much just people down in their luck could, be provided could just for. be provided for God never told I guess the field owners I don't know what they're all called the, the rulers as or whoever they were didn't say hey by the way even though I told you to glean also I'm going to make you feel guilty and you should also Every once in a while, I try to give to a whole bunch of people. So I don't think it's like, like the whole gleaning thing. I love the gleaning thing, just because it's like your mind should already have set. Like, why gleaning? Gleaning. Gleaning is like so when they when they would go through the fields, or in their case, sometimes most of the time it was like a vineyard or a wheat field, and they would collect grapes. Don't go grapes. back over and oh, click out. Yeah. Like, okay. Because like when you pick a vineyard, sometimes you might mess a grape here, grape there. Yeah. Or as you're picking up wheat and tying it off some wheat falls to the ground. Don't scurry around with rakes and pick all every last bit up for your field. I gotta make the most profit. Leave that there so that others can come through your yeah. field and like pretty much get free food. Yeah, if you but drop like, it you're not supposed to pick it up. Yeah. And also I think the outsides like all the outside perimeter. Yeah like the is also is, supposed to be yes. set specifically. There's certain rules for it. And I like it because if we instead of thinking like feeling guilty when you pass someone or feeling all this guilt or some people might feel guilt or shame or like man I should have when you get paid glean like don't take everything for profit set aside a set amount that you are financially able to or good rule I, I want to get into it but like with like the 10% thing that's still 90% of your money so like 100 bucks every 100 dollars that's 90 dollars you get to keep and only 10 dollars you know what I mean or if you only make 50 bucks Oh, five bucks, there you go. See. <laughs> five bucks, and it's like five, so it's even less. So it is a good percentages are good just because it's a percentage. So it's not like you're giving all your money away. Right? Not hard and, and, and that is that's your tithe. That's the expectation. Mm, but tithe, that's mm -hmm. you're supposed to give more on top of that, like yeah. to, to other things and mm -hmm. other causes. I always um, I make it a habit when whenever I tithe, whenever Yama and I tithe to. To pray over the money because it's so easy, especially if you're doing it electronically and you're not. Even if like to physically write a check is one thing, but even like it's so easy to just 
know, write a check if anyone does that anymore these days or to whatever, especially electronically. You know, I mean, people can even have it like automatically. Like, I don't like to do that. Me personally, I don't, I wouldn't ever set up an automatic tie because it just, I feel like, takes away the, the heart of it, in my opinion. For yeah. me, if you do that, no shame. But for me, like, when I tie it, I'll like get it all ready and then I'll you know, be like review before you submit. Before I hit submit, I'll then like stop and pray. Like, God, let this, let, let, um, let the church be able to use this money how you deem fit. Let this money reach lives, save lives, reach the, un, like the, the people who've never heard your name. And like praying over the money as I'm about to hit click, you know, to submit it. Like, that's how I personally like go about tithing, like for us, um, let it not just be you know, an action of just like, oh, okay, check, did that, done, but like, to do it with a cheerful heart, to do it with, like, God being the reason for it, of, this isn't just me doing it because I'm obligated to do it, and I would feel bad if I didn't, although I could just keep it, and no one would know except for God, but it's like, do it with God in the center of everything, of just, um, you know, letting him be the reason for it. Um, might just stop here today. It's amazing the mindset change when uh, you just set aside designated funds. Because uh, I've got a whole bank account, but that's that money. Like that just comes out of the paycheck. That's where it goes. And whether it's tied to the church, whether it's something else, regardless, that money's just there. I don't have to check my account to see if I have money because the money's already there. It's more about how and where I use it. And so just having that giving spirit, that giving attitude. Yep. Thanks. And Proverbs also talks about that. Like just how those who like really, it's kind of like Jesus talks about with eternal life when you really take it to that extreme. But like those who really hoard those who really like pinch their pennies, he's like, they stay poor. He's like, those that are generous, he's like, those the, they, <laughs> their generosity just builds wealth. Um, and it, I don't know if any of you guys are into Dave Ramsey at all, mm-hmm. but Dave Ramsey, like really, one of his things, he's a huge financial guy. He's like, hey, be really responsible with your money. You'd expect him to say like, hey, pinch your pennies and stuff like that. He's like, no, 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 no. Part of like, the whole Dave Ramsey process is like you're you're getting out of debt, but give generously. Even while you're in debt, like give generously. A generous spirit is something that's very, very important to establish very early on in your financial journey. So cool. Awesome. Well we're gonna uh, we'll keep going from, from this next week a little bit about loving his enemies and um and kind of loving in general. But um Cool, great, good conversation. Everybody enjoyed it. Um, and thanks for all the suggestions for <laughs> following it. Um, we gonna learn how to walk on water next week. Yeah, I know. You talked about walking on water, and then you were talking about beheading also. So. I don't know how to walk on water. I just am typically not faithful enough to do it. You just have to focus on Jesus enough. <laughs> just, yeah. I mean, it's always yeah. missed that step too much so to like, be able like to pull it off. Honest, probably a lot of us have like God's dead in the pool. Be like, all right, God, real. <laughs> if you're real, let me walk. And you're like, oh yeah, okay, <laughs> I can't say I've ever Guess tried I'm it, but now I really want to. <laughs> You've never tried that? No. Bro, I've definitely been like, 
look in the window. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you ever had that conversation with your dog? You're like, look, dude, I know you can talk. I know you want to say I've had that conversation with my cat, my dog, every I know you can talk. After watching Dr. Doolittle or something, like, talk. Alright, anyway, let's pray. Sometimes they stare at you when you say they're like, if they want to, and they're just like, I don't know. It's definitely. One day. Okay, we'll be God, we thank you for this. Thank you for this evening, God. Um, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for being a great example of loving our enemies. Um, for for showing us not just of who to love, but how to love. Um, to to take it from the the extreme of, but but still doable. Um, as we're trusting and walking with you, because on our own strength, we can't love our enemies. It just doesn't make any sense. But uh, with you in our hearts and with you as the reason for each um, action of love, um, it, it gives us purpose and it gives us reason to love our enemies. Um, I ask that you help us continue to pray for our enemies, to pray for those, not just those who we would call our enemies, but we pray for those who are unlovable. We pray for those who are hard to love. We pray for those who are annoying, difficult, hard to work with, annoying to be around. Lord, help us to have a heart that you have for them, to give us your eyes, to give us your love and your grace and your patience with these people, God. God, we pray for Hamas, and we pray for the Palestinians, and we pray for the people of Israel. God, we pray for peace in that situation. God, we need you to intervene in a way that only you can intervene. And in a way that is so much greater and more powerful than what man can do here. But Lord, we need your peace. We need your, your angels to come down and confuse the enemy for them to, um, to destroy themselves. You've done it before. You can do it again, God. We pray for your angels to confuse the enemy. That they would wipe themselves out. And God, God you would restore Israel back to peace. That you would... Use this whole situation to bring bring people all around the world to get to know you. To not ask where is God, but to say, God moved in that situation. And thank you for everyone here. Thank you for um, the blessing of being able to live in this nation where, where we have peace here. Um, that we don't ever take that for granted. Because people are dying every day for believing in you. Uh, people are being dragged out of their homes for believing in you. Just for who they are. God, we thank you for your protection here, and um, God, we pray for your will to be done, and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time when God's presence is with us. I hope you enjoyed it, and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.